0: Excellence français. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to homethreadscom scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreadscom scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads. Love where you live. My garden of Zen is watching TV in my den.
1: I don't need to RSVP. You know, I always show up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and showing up, she is, you guys. It's Andy's Girls 275 nothing i love more than a repeat guest to the people's people's couch because it feels like that first episode is us getting to know each other you know like having starting to play the dance and now we're in like jazz tap ballet advanced
1: exactly this
0: next. <laughs> and from my understanding of dance it's just how it goes you do one class and then you're a professional yep. i think mm-hmm. is for is what i've heard so uh, i'm so excited to have back someone whose book is literally on. I don't know if you can see it. I'm recording in my closet. It's. Actually, to the left of the Manolo Celebrating mm-hmm. <laughs> the 50th Anniversary, um, and I love to look at it. It's an awesome read. Uh, you know her as author of The Art of Showing Up, How to Be There for Yourself and Your People, and also senior editor at Vox. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Rachel Miller. Rachel Miller, how are you? I'm pretty
1: good, all things considered. I, I, I can't complain.
0: I love a pretty good All Things (laughs) Considered. Can't complain. Can I ask you, you know, the name of your book is How to Be There for Yourself and Your People. Mm -hmm. How are you being there for yourself right now? It's kind of a a, a scary moment for all of us Mm -hmm. reading the news or staying away. Are are there some elements that you have found just helpful and soothing for yourself?
1: Yeah. So let's see. I'm actually off of work right now, which is a great place to start. I'm taking the rest of the week off, and then we have next week off. So I'm taking, and I'm going to have a nice long break, which is like ideal. Like that's the best thing in the world, right? So um, yesterday we cleaned our whole apartment because mm. I feel like that's for me, like having a nice clean space to start from is a really good starting point. And also I felt like if I put it off, it would be hanging over my head all week. So mm. we did a big deep clean. We're going to put up some more Christmas decorations today. And yeah, other than that, just kind of adjusting plans given the news about the variant and case numbers mm. being so high in New York where like, you know, we had some Museum plans this week were canceling, but we're replacing it with some outdoor activities. So just trying to stay nimble and like find things to do to get out and feel like we're enjoying the city without putting ourselves and other people at risk.
0: Without being Gawker Stalker, Mm -hmm. also known, I guess, as Jemois, can you tell us, tell me a little bit about what your outdoor plans are? Because that could be inspirational. It could be something that could be of interest to somebody listening. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's a great
1: point. So let's see. We are going to go to the Union Square Christmas Market, um, which is always a good time. Didn't go last year, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, We are going to take a drive out to Diker Heights. Have you ever been there for the Christmas lights? Okay, It is wild it's like basically a neighborhood in Brooklyn where people get so into Christmas lights (gasps) and I went a few years ago and it's like beyond what you can imagine it's and like I want to be clear that the lights don't all look good like oh yeah
0: even better it's like a more is more approach and it's not just
1: lights it's like there's one house that had like 40 nutcrackers like life-size human nutcrackers on their lawn and like Santa's on the facade like of every shape size and like all lit up it was like it was like a this house considers itself like on the front lines of the war on christmas defending christmas like it is (laughs) wild and it's it's like so garish and perfect so I'm, i'm looking forward to that definitely worth it
0: and did you say you were driving out or are you yeah and then can you walk it for people you, who don't drive is that something that people can like walk the street
1: totally it's like if okay. you, so i the first time i went we took the subway out there i think you take the r like kind of all the way to the end um but this year we're gonna drive and then like park and walk it's very much like you just do it on foot it's this one neighborhood I don't know how busy it'll be this year but the year I was there it was just like crowds of people were like Mm -hmm. it's just a known thing that people go just walk on the sidewalks to see it so Mm -hmm. um, we're doing that we're gonna do some outdoor dining at places in our neighborhood that feel Mm -hmm. like that have sort of like the setups where you're not breathing onto the table next to you so we're gonna Mm -hmm. try that Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I might be missing oh um the Brooklyn Botanical Garden is doing this lightscape thing which I'm not totally sure what it is but it's basically like lots of beautiful lights outdoors so we got tickets for that too so those tickets are like from 4 30 p.m I think till 8 30 p.m every day so you can go and like have a nice family-friendly outdoor beautiful lights experience
0: Oh my god, you know what? I have to tell you. I'm a, you know, Shalom Jew, but mm-hmm. I fucking love Christmas lights. They're so these beautiful. are all, I'm so glad you shared these racks because the Brooklyn idea sounds amazing and also I love the Brooklyn Botanical Garden so for anybody in New York who's looking for ideas you know if you have a local botanical garden or any kind of outdoor space check in because they might be doing something special for the holidays and also there's typically time where discount mm-hmm. where tickets are discounted or mm-hmm. free admission um which I you know always highly recommend um if that matches up with people's schedules but that sounds like a delightful way to spend your holiday my god thank
1: you I think it's gonna be good and then we're we're gonna balance that out with like cozy time at home making cookies like knitting mm-hmm. taking it really easy but I wanted to have enough like getting out of the house things to do that it feels like we're I don't know New York City in the winter and December is very special so I want to like get a little bit of that even though it's not the best year.
0: Oh yeah. For anybody who's looking for an idea, I know it's an obvious one, but the windows at Bergdorf this Mm. year are extraordinary. Um, I put some on my IG when I went last weekend and just going there at night and it didn't feel too crowded. It also happened to be a rainy evening, but, um, it's just a nice way to feel like you're in the spirit. Um, and you know I just have to say shout out to anybody who is the caregiver of their family anyone with kids right now or taking care of whomever including most importantly yourself I I honestly genuinely cannot imagine how difficult uh and challenging that is balancing everything and also wanting to make sure that your children or loved ones are experiencing a holiday that feels like one that feels special um and so I just want to say shout out and also highly recommend your book because could it be a better time (laughs) to do some internal searching also because the options are so limited so like hey why not think to a little a bit of (laughs) like maybe I can make my life a little bit kinder
1: totally why don't I control the one thing I can which is like my goals and, and myself is, is how it feels sometimes. But I completely agree. I, I really, really feel for parents, any caregivers, but especially mm. parents of small children. It's it's really, really bleak. And it just is, I, I don't know. I just feel so sad for everyone who's who's dealing with this in a, a far worse position than I am.
0: When it comes to the idea of lack of control, I think that's something that so many of us are feeling right now, which is like just the idea that the concern and fear i know you wrote a piece recently for vox about like what to do essentially if you're diagnosed you know your own experiences mm-hmm. small s- seemingly small granular simple steps rather that people can take because i always think preparation helps ease anxiety completely um, is there anything that you've kind of learned just going through your own experience with with the cove which you've talked about on mm-hmm. social and um And just kind of, you know, getting through the day, things not only that make you happy and make you smile, but also um, really just as importantly made you feel a little bit more secure.
1: Yeah, definitely. So last winter or like probably last fall, I wrote a piece that was like, you know, if you're dreading winter, here's how to prepare for it. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that I wrote about was like stock your medicine chest, like get Mm -hmm. everything you might need in case you get sick. I took my own advice and then a few months later was really, really glad that I had. And so this piece that I wrote last week was kind of inspired by that, which is like everybody's freaking out right now and feels really scared. And one way to respond to that is like read every single bit of news you can find and panic. But another thing you can do is just like trust that, you know, you can check the news once a day and that'll be enough. And in the meantime... Again, check your medicine chest. Do you need everything that you're going to need if you get sick? Um, you know, we're talking about caregivers and parents. Like, what is your plan for isolation? Should you need to? Like, the, I, this article kind of outlines all the things that you can do. But aside from the sort of practical of like, do you have cold and cough medicine? I think it's really important to know where you can get tested, where you can get rapid test results, because when you when you think you might have COVID, like you want those results really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't do any of that ahead of time because I like getting tested when I was had COVID was the first time I had ever been tested because we were so locked mm-hmm. down last year. And so mm-hmm. I really wish that I had figured out not only where to go, but where I could go for a rapid result because it was all new to me. Um, so figuring out those kinds of things. And then I think the other thing is that people are getting a little lax. If they're vaccinated, they might be thinking like, oh, I don't know that I have to isolate for 10 days mm-hmm. or like probably fine if I feel better. And like that's just not what they're saying right now. So I think it's really important to mentally prepare for a 10 day isolation and like mm-hmm. get everything you're gonna need for that. whether that's like having some extra like mac and cheese in your pantry or figuring out what you're gonna do with your dog. That was one of the things I also wished I had figured out in advance last year of like, oh, I can't leave. Somebody has to come safely pick up my dog for ten days mm-hmm. and like that's that was a whole bit of stress that you don't need. So I think really thinking that through. and then if you do get diagnosed, know that rest makes a massive difference in how you feel. Mm-hmm. and like, So for me, I was like, I'm taking the time off work. I have a mild case. It's... I don't know. Like isn't that enough? I was like, I'm going to, you know, lounge around and it's like you can't just treat it like a weekend where, you know, you're going to do some little chores here and there and you're going to read like you really have to rest. And it wasn't until the sort of end of the, of my bout with covid that I read about post covid fatigue and like really fully understood mm-hmm. from this really gentle uh UK based website that re- recommends not doing too many thinking activities, which can include mm-hmm. like checking your emails or making a shopping list. And it and I really I'm just so – like, as I'm seeing more people get sick, I'm just like, you got to, like, log off and relax because it's not, like – it's not a normal day off. It's a true sick day, and that really makes a massive difference in how quickly you heal and, and how, how soon you'll start to feel better.
0: So really, like, logging off does make a substantial Completely. difference in your physical recovery. That's Completely,
1: so yeah. And it, and I, I went back to work after two weeks because I had in my head, like, this lasts for two weeks. And so I didn't really think – Am I ready to go back to work? And after the first couple days at work, it was like I feel physically exhausted and like winded from just working. And that's never like that. I'm not used to that experience. And so I think like once I made the connection of like, oh, it's rest, like doctor prescribed rest is not at all how I had been thinking about it. And it was a really big Mm -hmm. shift. And I think especially as as like, you know, I was, I wasn't vaccinated when I got sick, but now that people are vaccinated, I think there's this, this both desire and tendency to treat it as like a mild cold and it's going to be fine. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it should be, it might be, but like, I, don't get ahead of yourself don't spike the ball before you're in the end zone because mm. I found myself of like I feel a little bit good I'll do chores and then immediately the next day it was like oh I shouldn't have done that you know so like it just okay, I think seeing those things as really tied together and taking it a lot slower than you think you need to will really pay off Should, if you can obviously like not everyone can but whatever you uh, like think you can do do 50 percent less than that
0: well there is also the idea of and first off that's Great, great advice and great counsel. Um, there's the idea that so many of us have of like we should push through. We're rewarded yeah. when we push through. We're better workers, better people. Always working if we do that. And what we're learning now is, which maybe we can apply. And again, it's like, can you afford it? This is like a right. whole other conversation of like there are many people who cannot, which is a a, a crisis of another kind. Right. But um, you know, the idea of saying like you deserve. It doesn't make you a better worker or person to not give yourself true rest, which so many of us, myself included, I Mm -hmm. was as an event consultant, you don't get to have a sick day when you're like in production and in charge of 50 people you're, you know, seen in that space. So the idea that, um this kind of forces us to listen to our bodies in a way that we didn't necessarily or rather we're kind of rewarded for not doing it's there's a little bit of a like okay I need to recalibrate it's not actually Uh that it's not that easy Mm -mm. it's 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 tough it has to be an active choice I
1: think that's right and I think that I was I was grateful that I had a couple friends checking in who were like encouraging Mm. me to do less and really kept saying don't push it don't push it and that was helpful so if you know somebody who gets COVID I like recommend being that friend and, and really reminding them to slow down because it's so difficult. And I think it's also like no one wants to be sick. No one wants to have the thing we've all been afraid of for two years. So I think there's also an element of like, well, if I can get up and do some chores, then maybe I'm doing fine and I'm doing better. And that optimism and hope can can push you to overdo it. And it's like, I totally, totally, I get it. I did the same thing. Um, But I think it's just I don't know. You, you're if you're sick, it's like you've got the thing we've all been avoiding for two years. Mm-hmm. You got it. Like you've got to write it out. Like I can't think of many better reasons to not be working than the thing that the, is, you know, causing the entire world to shut down. So um, mm-hmm. just don't overdo it and let yourself heal.
0: Yeah. And the other element of this is especially, and we'll, you know, talk a little bit about housewives, but um, the <laughs> variant is so highly contagious. Yes. And I just want to recommend to people and stress to people as much as you can, get vaccinated, get your booster. And if you test positive for COVID, or a loved one does try as best which and this has been a struggle for a lot of people try as best you can to remove the idea of shame from hundred you know, like it's really tough to I, I haven't been you know knock on mirror disc um <laughs> in the clovis i have to use that whole sentence um <laughs> but try as best you can to remove the element of shame and introduce an idea of grace because mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is out of our hands. Completely. It's why you want to feel hopefully a sense of responsibility for yourself and people who surround you, uh, loved ones or strangers, but also it might just happen. So, yep. you know, prepare as best you can and also try to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, You know, if we're thinking about it as a holiday season, just start by introducing the idea of kindness and grace to yourself first. And if this happens, you know, we're sending our love to you. We hope that you, um, everyone is staying safe and healthy this holiday season. And if you test positive, take the steps that Rachel's recommending. And also know that if you or someone else test positive, it it might just happen despite all of the you know, this might just happen. You didn't do anything wrong. Just focus on getting better. No one is here or should be here to shame you. We should all just take a moment to say, like, you know what, that action that the exertion of the shame energy we just maybe don't have capacity for right now. I
1: think that's so true. Uh, what the epidemiologist that I interviewed last week actually was saying, we talked a little bit about this, and she said the most important thing is to not let that shame or feeling of guilt push you from doing the things that you need to do to protect mm. other people going forward. So, like, you have to isolate. You have to tell the people who you've had contact with that you have tested mm-hmm. positive, and like, if the health department calls you, pick up the phone, give them your contact information. Like, it's o- it's okay to have gotten sick. It happens. It's out of our control in so many ways. But mm-hmm. the important thing is. Is like what you do next and taking care of yourself is helping other people, but also sometimes it's literally letting people know so that they can stay home, so that they can get tested. So, I totally understand the desire to like pretend this isn't happening and you know to feel just terrible about it. But I think remembering that once you get sick, you have a responsibility, and staying home and isolating is a way of honoring the responsibility we have to other people is really important.
0: Absolutely, and just as important is rewatching New York (laughs) seven through eleven, and I might even throw in aspects of twelve in there because you guys, I just recently rewatched it, and there is so much quality content. I did it out of order because I like to introduce chaos into my own life. I just I can't strongly recommend it enough.
1: Wait, did you know that that's what I did when I had COVID? Is that specifically?
0: Wait, those seasons. Those seasons
1: specifically.
0: I feel like we <laughs> talked about you watching something, but I didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about this before because I was on the last time I was on was well before this.
0: Oh, just kidding. Wait, you did you did seven through 12, 8 through twelve? What'd you do? It
1: may have been it may have been six, but it was like we we had been watching, but I think it was like seven through the end of the series. Like we got through. I think it was like seven, seven through, through whatever. 13. Well, thirteen whatever. wasn't out yet, so I think it was seven through twelve. Wow. Yeah. That was one of the only things I did when I had COVID when I was finally like I have to rest. I watched that and then I watched The Sopranos and then was like, well this is like a perfect. This is New York. This is the t- this is my New York. <laughs> but I was also like I there came a point where I was like The Sopranos is like too much of a thinking task. It's like too intense. So like back to Housewives it is even though I kind of hate these women. This is this is what I'm doing.
0: I mean, I have to say it's another kind of conversation, but <laughs> I forgot how much value Ramona brought to the franchise at that. It's so easy to overlook or rewrite or critique the value that someone brought in these seasons because of whatever they've done since, or if I, you know, personally think they're a piece of shit. And mm-hmm. so I'm watching this stuff and I'm like, Wow, it's so <laughs> it's like honestly a little refreshing and to see that Bethany return stuff and she's I know. super fucking complicated especially season 7. Um how did you find, you know, there's the idea of like resting, mm-hmm. right? If you have covid or you don't or you just need to take that break, but we're mixing in a little bit of like mega chaotic energy. It's true. <laughs> how did that impact you because those are kind of chaotic, very spirited seasons how did that how did you pace yourself? I think
1: we we watched it at a much different like energy level than normal so mm-hmm. normally it's like constantly pausing to sort of analyze what's happening and I don't think we did that quite as much I think it was just like a lot mm-hmm. of because it was my girlfriend and I were were sick together and I think it was a lot of just like periodically just muttering I hate these women and then like <laughs> letting it raw, <rock. laughs> like keep watching though like just we, we didn't do as much um, real-time analysis as we normally would do so I mm-hmm. think that also meant we just were like really just taking it all in we're just I because again that's what resting was it was being glued to this and not doing anything else and um that meant I, I had the full experience of their behavior without the sort of like outlet of the analysis. but uh there's a chance I would have healed much faster had I not watched Real Housewives oh, of New York God, that's <laughs> impossible to say.
0: <laughs> I mean, who can say but uh you know when it comes to the idea of like, what kind of watch are you watching housewives for there's the idea of like i watch for the escapism the idea of like i love i truly love these women the idea of i love how complicated they are for some seasons and some franchises, for many people, it could be a genuine hate watch. I do not like these women, but the TV content is great. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that it was a little bit of a hate watch. Is that how you felt about New York generally or those seasons? What kind of experience do you think of yourself having when you're watching Housewives? That's
1: a good question. You know, I don't actually, I wouldn't call it hate watching because like when I say I hate these women, it's sort of like I, I whenever I find myself saying that, it's like,
0: it's like, it's
1: yeah, it's having one of those moments of like, yeah. oh my god, these women are doing the same thing that we're used to, or yeah. Uh, so I don't think we've talked about this. Maybe we have, but um, New York is so weirdly homoerotic in this way that I don't feel like anyone talks about. Whereas, like, I'm ready really? to like write a PhD or get my PhD in this topic. Yeah, watch it. The next time you're watching it, watch it through the lens of like. These women behave like frat boys behave, where they're like sort of constantly being like no homo while like grabbing each other's asses. (gasps) The way they talk to each other and the way they touch each other is so bizarre to me as a queer person. I'm just there, it's like, do they realize like how they sound and what they're doing while also being like weirdly homophobic? So sometimes the I hate these women is just coming from being like, does Sonia realize what she's saying and doing mm. and she's like the most like she's i mean and what was mm. it what recent season is she saying she's gender liquid like that's that's me when i'm like i hate these women <laughs> because it's so ridiculous and there's sort of no one there to just be like hey <laughs> what's going on you know so it's it's a lot of that um but yeah watch it through that lens sonia and bethany like she's mm-hmm. and like just the it's it's very interesting i I feel in my heart of hearts that Luann and Sonia is like the great love story of our time.
0: Do you?
1: I feel like they should grow old together. There's this season <gasps> shot there's a scene in like season eight maybe or maybe it's a little earlier where they have this like beautiful dinner like on the west side of this of the city or maybe it's East side, but they're like on the river and they're talking about like how happy they are for each other of like, you know, I'm so proud of you, you've come so far. but there's this weird it's it has the tone of X's. it's like this it's very, very. No, like I just it it's an ongoing thing I've noticed, and in the most recent season, Sonia's getting super jealous of Garth, and and everyone's noticing that she's really jealous, and she keeps saying things like "I just don't like," you know, when you have a have a boyfriend, and everyone's like, "Yeah, she's jealous," and I'm like, "I don't know if she's jealous for the reasons they like quite think she is." Like it just is. There's there's something unexplored happening there to my like as that's how I'm watching it a lot of the times and actually the last time I was watching we started I started like filming on my phone every time something ridiculously homoerotic happened and it was just like constant like we were constantly pausing because there's all these like they're just always like talking about each other's bodies and like being like you look hot I'd fuck you and it's just like I guess it's a thing you can say to your straight like straight people say to their friends but like huh it's just interesting
0: Oh, first off, oh my, if you guys saw how I immediately <laughs> sat up, <laughs> I was like, where are we going? I'm super into it. Um, there is, I mean, there are elements of some, there is, you know, watching the Bethany Carol meet cute, mm-hmm. friend flirt, and then absolute warring, like War of the Roses right, style right. moment. There is there are moments that are somewhat obvious. Carol saying I had a sex dream about you. Right. But I think it's because I want to what like relieve your what was the want sort of like not like open up, but it was like some sort of like relieve something or make you relax or something. Mm-hmm. But there there was like a little bit of some sort of undertone here of something that's certainly interesting. It's and certainly I certainly mean, like, interesting. Sonia calls it gender liquidity because <laughs> Sonia's not great at words. Right. <laughs> but like there, there could also just be an understanding and comfort with the spectrum of sexuality, right. like these women may be finding each other attractive right. or, or, you know, I don't want to say anything that can come off as in any way dismissive, but it is a really fascinating um, uh, sort of tone that's in play in New York and not in other franchises. Yes, it,
1: that's exactly it. It just isn't, They it's just very different than the other franchises. And it's this weird, like, there's so they had the season with barbara as the friend of who was mm-hmm. openly bisexual and they were all very mm-hmm. weird to her and there's like rumors Super about why weird. she wasn't made a full time cast member that was like maybe had to do with somebody like being weirdly homophobic it's unclear what really happened there i was like i was like what? deep on a reddit- rabbit hole about that um, oh, but so that's unclear, but it was interesting to watch these women who are constantly like, you know, getting naked together and like grabbing at each other and like talking about how hot they look. Then when somebody's like, yeah, I've dated women, and they're just like, oh my God, did you like touch her vagina? And she's just like, yeah, like that's what you do when you're. Like, she was just like, obviously, and they were sort of like so scandalized by it and so weird about it. But then, like, when they're not dealing with an actual queer person, they're like very comfortable talking about it. It was just like a really strange sort of contrast. So, I don't know what's going on there. Again, like, I don't think that like anyone's super conscious of it. I think Sonia is increasingly kind of like she's had to kind of answer for it because in one of the seasons, she ends up like kissing a woman in, in like a club yep. scene at somebody's birthday. And so she kind of, but even at the reunions, Andy's like, what's going on there? And she's just like, I love everybody. And it's like, yeah, like that's one way of putting it. But like, what's going on there? Like unpack that, you know, obviously no one needs to like, you know, take a label or come out if they're not ready to. But it's just it's interesting on a show when you're in the public eye and, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're doing these things on camera that there isn't like a bigger sort of, I don't know, reckoning or conversation about it.
0: It just also isn't present on other cities. It just it's just is a not. different like New York feels, to use one of Sonia's words in a totally different context, fluid in that sense. Mm-hmm. Where like you are in an environment and a community where and by community, I mean this group of quote unquote friends, a cast as some would call it. But it just feels like a different and is that comfort? Is it because so many of these women have known each other for over a decade at this point and they have been able to share so many seemingly intimate ideas and circumstances with each other or is it just these are the group of women who feel and behave in a very specific way I mean I really don't have an answer for it
1: I don't either but I've I've paid attention to the other franchises too and it just isn't if they just don't like you'll see bits and pieces of it they like I don't know sometimes like it again it's like these women are touchy-feely in a way that like I certainly am Mm. not and so I'm like often noticing God, they like really love to like hug and also weirdly hump each other. But New York is like above and beyond in this way that it's like, this doesn't feel like friendship. And it's like, it can be hard to explain that. I think a lot of times to straight people because they're just like, they're friends and friends can be touchy feely. And it's like, that is mm-hmm. true. But I think that there's a different level of intimacy. And I don't, it, it just always reads as different to me. And it's like, mm-hmm. once you start noticing it, you see a lot more of it with this franchise in particular.
0: And it's so interesting when there are people who join the franchise who are so different than the kind of circumstance that Sonia or Ramona are even expressing, like a Carol who's Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, cool. Like, if you're crying, can you just, I'm in a, there's like a (laughs) glass wall between us. I don't like hugging. I don't, and yet she is the person who expressed the fact that she had a dream about Bethany. So it's like the idea of people and how your guttural reaction might be, oh, I don't like touching, and yet I'm comfortable communicating something that is much more intimate right. than giving someone a hug, I would argue. it is. It shows the many ideas and aspects of ourselves that sometimes we're uh, able to express and sometimes we're not.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think when you when you assume that you're straight or when you identify as straight, I think that sometimes you don't realize the things that you're saying or doing that are at odds with that and that like Mm. I think things can go unexamined because you're like well I'm I'm straight and I do these things therefore these things are straight and I think especially what like women who are you know in their 40s 50s 60s like may just have like not had as much exposure to queer people or like you know like it just wasn't like a dominant I mean even when I was younger it like wasn't as common representation was different so I, I don't even know if like when Carol's sharing she had a sex dream with her about her friend Mm -hmm. like I don't know if she's fully thinking about why she's doing it or she's thinking like well obviously I'm not gay so it's not weird that I had this sex stream." and it's like Mm. again like I'm not saying that Carol is gay by any means but it's just like when you have the when you start from the place of like well I'm straight so everything I do is like a friend thing or non-sexual I think it like allows things to go unexamined That are like worth examining because you might discover a new aspect of yourself that is like actually really good and that you want to explore more. So it kind of bums me out that they just sort of are not necessarily exploring this on a deeper level, at least as far as we know. Who knows what they're doing in their free time?
0: I'm so intrigued by this and it's also the difference between like representation and expression Mm -hmm. and yet the connection between the two because so often we get into representation and you and I have discussed um, respectability Mm -hmm. politics and that idea the idea of the pressure on someone and yet there's also the pressure in another way of how to and yet still connected how to communicate that you feel like. The actual idea of your expression is representative of your identity or how others view you. And mm-hmm. I think Housewives does such an interesting job of like pulling that apart, but also upholding a lot of those standards, yeah. like reinforcing things that aren't that great, yes, totally. you know, or just unfair. Mm-hmm. OK, you guys, I've got a housewife style confessional for you. I am not. Great at going to the grocery store. Even if I have a list, even if I have an itemized, organized list, I walk into the grocery store, I get nervous, I get anxious, and I have literally left without buying anything before, which is why I am so thankful for Green Chef. It makes cooking easy so I can spend a little bit less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Now, as many of you know, I have a variety of dietary restrictions because of an underlying health condition. I am gluten-free, vegetarian by choice, dairy-free, soy-free, refined sugar-free, but hopefully not fun-free, which is where Green Chef comes in. They have options for every lifestyle, including keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. And for those of us who check off more than one of those boxes. That is why I love Green Chef. Imagine living a kind of life where for, you know, reasons having to do with a medical diet, you feel like there aren't a lot of options available, let alone delicious organic ones. I go to Green Chef, I look through their menus, and to my delight, see more than one option to choose from all of them delicious and yummy, I have to tell you. NBD, no big deal. But I have a blackened cauliflower bowl en route to me with dirty rice, charred corn, salsa, paprika, Dijon aioli, and pecans. And guess what, guys? It's vegan, it's gluten free, and it sounds absolutely delicious. Green Chef, America's number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, aka me, and not the other way around. And listen, guys. Listen, this is Andy's Girls. You think I'm not gonna share a little deal with my beloved AGs? Go to greenchef.com slash AndesGirls10 and use code AndesGirls10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. Go to greenchef.com slash AndesGirls10 and use code AndesGirls10 to get 10 free meals, including free. Shipping. It's the number one meal kit for eating well. And you guys, you know what? I'm going to be eating well tonight. Join me and Green Chef. My God, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a left turn, a little (laughs) bit of a shift. But I do want to get your thoughts on Salt Lake City. Okay. Because it was a 900 hour episode. (laughs) (laughs) It took me literal weeks to get through. Not because it wasn't great. I thought it was great, except I, I just honestly was. I don't know what wasn't clicking in my head, but I was, I felt out of body. I was confused, (laughs) which is not a critique. I actually genuinely loved the episode. I just was like, can someone explain to me what is happening with some of this? I wanted to get your thoughts on it. What an app! I felt the
1: same way. I... Felt so, oh, I didn't know when I started it because I I watched it today. I didn't know it was going to be like an extra long episode and that Mm -hmm. this final scene in the Zen garden was going to be, I mean, of course it was going to be chaotic, but it was so chaotic. And I think what was happening was like there were multiple fights going on at once and it was very unclear of like who was mad at who for what. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought it was because I was not watching closely enough. So I like rewatched it and I read a recap and I still don't totally understand I don't really understand what Lisa was mad about, or like what exactly
0: <sighs>
1: Mary did wrong, or who's again. I'm like, who's mad at who and why is kind of where I, I we're all mad at each other, and it kind of doesn't matter. But I, I did feel like it didn't really have a concrete takeaway for next week, and I and I, reading a recap didn't totally help either.
0: Um. Yeah, the, the Lisa stuff is confusing because I wonder how much of it is like a guttural redirect of like, I did participate in this, but I didn't, but I'm continuing to, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then how much of that connects with Meredith. But I, I do also think like, sort of sidebar separate conversation. How does <laughs> How does friendship and support work if someone has maybe done something bad like right. what, what does what does being a good friend mean if you're looking at that person as a sign of friendship or just like the idea of being a friend to society right so any of that makes sense it I does want to get it your does
1: i i think this is a great question i think it was even more interesting in a lot of ways on beverly hills because i think that the friendships are like mm. more established and they mm-hmm. are I think more of them are actually like friends or at least aligned than they are. Salt Lake is just kind of like loosey-goosey in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's it's interesting how like on Beverly Hills, the idea was like a true friend would simply never question any of these things and won't even ask you about it and will like take everything you say as fact. I mean, it's obviously really hard to process when somebody that you're close to has gone is being accused of really terrible things. Um, but it was so frustrating on Beverly Hills the way that they would – it was so difficult for them to have direct conversations about it, but then they turned around Mm -hmm. and kind of did a lot of gossiping. And to me, that's not a true friend to that, but then turning around and like, you know, you're in person and you're walking it back immediately. I think that like a true friend is kind, but is ultimately having a conversation with you that they're all, that they're having in private. Like if not like in tone, exactly the same way, like those things are on a a continuum versus being really two-faced. And, you know, it's, tough when you when you kind of maybe believe the allegations but it's also not yeah. clear if they do it seems like they're trying to bury their heads in the sand a little bit and and so i found when when lisa and jen go to lunch and lisa's saying to she's really stumbling over it too she's really not giving her like a full-throated you know, mm-hmm. defense or, or validation. She just says to me, you know, you're, and she, she you're innocent until, until, and it's like, you want to say you're innocent until proven guilty. And I turned to my girlfriend, I was like, that's a really weird thing to say to your friend. Like, to your friend, I don't know, to say like, to, to me, innocent until proven guilty is like what you say, like maybe publicly why you're supporting somebody, but to say to somebody's face, like, well, until the court convicts you, I, be- I don't know, that just really... Struck me as odd and like impersonal on a level of like, Mm -hmm. but like, what do you actually think? And do you not want to ask her any questions? Are you not? Obviously, you're curious. Are you just choosing not to? That's how it felt on Beverly Hills. Like they didn't really want to know. I don't know. I can't get a read on Salt Lake City, what they actually think about the crimes or the alleged crimes.
0: Well, I feel like in both franchises, there is some sort of understanding that to be uninformed is the greatest form of loyalty. Yeah, like that is it is seemingly more obviously projected by Erica Jane. I think than um than Jen Shaw. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's probably closer to what Mary is looking for, which mm. is like the idea that you avoid this entirely. But there is also the aspect which is so interesting, which you're getting to with Lisa that I also see with um, Heather Gay, which is the idea of like, I'm not going to be your judge and jury, right. But, but what what are you supposed to be? Right. Like? What does that mean to be a judge and jury? versus being a per why do you have to leave your personhood at the door in order to support your friend I don't I don't understand it I and I don't know if that's too much of a maybe projection on my I don't think it's a projection but maybe my the the idea of friendship standards that I have Mm. are not realistic in these circumstances but like what does that mean? It's What's the a, translation right. of that? Right. And it
1: also feels like you've got to be running this through the lens of what you know about the person. Like that's a natural thing to do. And it's why Meredith is just kind of like, okay, well, told you she sucks. Like I believe you know, it's pretty clear that Meredith thinks this very well could be true and is not interested in hearing otherwise and like kind of doesn't care and like that's an easier position to take when you don't like somebody. But with these different friendships, you you have a sense of how this person is and I don't know that Heather is really saying like this can't possibly be true. I didn't get the right. sense that at this point she thinks that. And so
0: 1000%. You know,
1: I think in that case if you think that this might be true I can see why you're like I'm not going to confront you about it on television and try to catch you in a lie on TV because I think that's probably more likely what you would do to a friend is like have a real conversation about them and and ask why are they saying this and what what have you done like that you know you would you would have those conversations about like sort of the inconsistencies which is what Sutton was kind of trying to do Um, but I can see I can totally see why you wouldn't want to do that on TV like that you don't want to like make a case against somebody in public if they are your friend but I think that. I think you can have a lot of empathy for the American criminal justice system and the brutality of it and how unjust it is and you can understand why somebody would be scared and you can uh, you know mm-hmm. I I thought when um Jen was talking about how they you know pulled out guns at her and like which mm-hmm. as soon as that scene aired I was like this is fucking wild like this sucks so much that her sons are being you know taken out of the house at gunpoint like that is completely ridiculous for a fraud case like what are we doing and I think that you know heather also seemed really sort of upset and moved by that and i think that like as a friend you can support your friend as a parent and you can feel really sad for their children and their family going through this and you can express empathy in those ways and you can do what you can to support the you know the family who is who is maybe also hurt by this without explicitly condoning your friend's behavior or even you know supporting them specifically but i do think that like With things – I don't know. I think if a friend of mine went to court, I would have – I would really think, like, should I be in court not because I, like, support them but because the prison system and and the criminal justice system is so brutal and so isolating that, like, I want to bear witness to this even if I don't agree to them. It would be a hard decision, but I I, I think that's the way to think through of, like, you know, what – like – how do I, like, what would justice look like to me for, mm-hmm. you know, my friend and for these people? And how do I, like, how do I see their personhood in a really brutal system that, like, dehumanizes and and removes people from their communities, you know, repeatedly? And so I think that that's a, a reasonable sort of way to think about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, all of these are really interesting, great points. And then I also think about the fact that Jen Shaw. Uh, seemingly, understandably, so when your, you know, main source of income is in question, which is the most generous way of putting <laughs> it, um, immediately begins filming again. I know. And as a part of her filming is like, on the lives of my family and loved ones, didn't do this, and in real time, we know that Stewart is seemingly planning to plead guilty i i know
1: i know that was really hard to watch
0: it's it's real tough to think about uh, all these things might be true it is possible to show grace it is possible to show empathy it is possible to understand the deep inequity inherent in the criminal justice system it's possible to understand the outrageousness of what her kids were put through because of her alleged actions um And yet also we're watching this woman attempt to either convince us of something or tell us this thing is so. And like, how do you process it if you start from a place of disbelief?
1: Right. I I completely agree. And I, I wish there was a little bit more directness about, you know, I wish people could have the conversation of like, I am so shocked by this. It doesn't square with what I know about you if that's how they're feeling, you know, but this this sounds really bad. And like, how do you Mm -hmm. explain this? And how, you know, I wish that they would would ask more questions. Again, I can understand not wanting to do that on TV. But I, I am so curious that that conversation is happening at all. Because that seems like that seems like the natural thing to do is to say, did you do this? Okay, if not, why do they think this? And like, and and if and if what's true is that you've always kind of wondered about this or you hired a private investigator because you thought somebody was stealing from you like that's the time to say like I want to support you but I want to be honest that xy and z things whether that's you know the state's evidence or your own personal experience xy and z things are making that a little difficult and give them a chance to respond mm-hmm. to it I think is a is a maybe a fair way to approach it
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and also, you know, we're watching that scene with Jen and Coach Shaw, and you know, the moment of them praying cannot—we cannot understate the importance of seeing that, and the importance of seeing diverse stories being told. I wish the circumstances I know. were a little bit better. I know. Uh, because I think that seeing those moments presented in the the fluid way to continue using that word that they were mm-hmm. it felt like such an easy the way that religion is being discussed on Salt Lake City is endlessly fascinating totally. to me but there is that moment of like Jen talking to Coach Shaw, which was surprising to me i want to know if it was for you of the the info that she is supporting her family by hiring them to work for her at a cost right. of like maybe 50k a month how does how do you process that as a family member knowing what we have now found out right. versus like literally what is my scope of work here? Right.
1: It's just like, it's super weird. It, You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a weird thing and it's unclear if it's like, you know, we, we have money and we're generous and, and they won't just accept it as a gift. So we're going to like let them quote unquote work for us so that they feel, mm-hmm. you know, like they're earning this support, which we would happily give them. That could totally be the case. Um. Mm-hmm. It's it's just is it like a weird like tax workaround that like if you're you know if you're giving money to them you're not like I don't know it's it's you're treating them differently than you would other employees Mm -hmm. is 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 your generosity rooted in the fact that you've been stealing money from old people like it's it's really unclear and and again it puts them all in this really vulnerable position yet again of like well now what are we going to do when we're reliant on her it's it's really upsetting to see somebody who who has a family even just her husband and kids who who rely on her for you know both emotional and or financial support to see like that could crumble and it, it just makes them seem so vulnerable and like when you find out there's other family members too it's just like what are you what were you doing this is really bad If if this is true this is really bad and really upsetting
0: yeah and there seems to be an understanding of it amongst the cast in some aspects and an understanding amongst the cast of some aspects of what's being discussed about mary and the fraught part of this is the ways that Some people are willing to give the benefit of the doubt to some cast members that they're not to the other. Mm -hmm. And the contradiction in the processing and sympathy is like, a wild thing to unpack. What do you think about that idea, and like the ways that Meredith, you know, can connect with Mary? Who I just need to add, as I have many times in the past, has not been charged with any crime. It's a very different circumstance than like the entirety of the government showing right, up at right. Jen's house to check in and make sure she's okay. Right. I mean, like very different circumstances. But how do you unpack the kind of disparity in it all? It's really
1: strange. And I think it probably starts with Meredith doesn't like Jen and has nothing nice to say about Jen and does like Mary. The question for me is sort of like, what does Meredith see in Mary? And like, when did they mm-hmm. become so close that Meredith is sort of unwilling to hear any possibility of of Mary doing something wrong? It kind of seems like Meredith is, is feeling guilty about things that happened last year of like talking behind people's back and is like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm just going to like you know commit to to trusting people and and i'm just like maybe not right now though maybe maybe you should look into this more um it's it's a really interesting loyalty because i don't get the sense that they're actually that good of friends and i also after watching how mary talked to whitney i'm just like how can you think this is like a good friend like that was so cruel and unexpected and unnecessary like did that not make you question a little bit what Mary's whole deal is and make you think that like maybe she's not the friend that you thought she is like nothing is making you think that
0: yeah and yet in the trailer everyone was like team Meredith oh my god (laughs) yes queen go off Mm -hmm. in the ways that she was stepping up against Jen and that's like you know the Wikipedia versus the long form Mm -hmm. the long form as we watch the series is okay you can you may still feel that way and you know good on you but also there is a, a stranger circumstance at play here because you can tout this person as the protector and defender of justice and of the you know downtrodden and as the pro- mama bear protecting her cub and yet none of that seems to be a factor with Mary mm-hmm. who hasn't necessarily done anything specific to your children or Or child and I'm not taking out the idea that that may have lasted a couple years right it's not just like a tweet here and Mm -hmm. there there was some sort of something in the mix but like your instinct was to protect and defend and yet it's a little subverted when Mm -hmm. it comes to Mary and I can't figure it it seems obvious why she's not defending Mary because it's another way to dig at Jen Mm -hmm. it's just like the execution of it know. is like it's really weird. muddled
1: at best. It's sort of like she's just like I've reached my limit on the number of people I can be upset with at once which I totally get because after watching this last episode I was like how how can any of them keep track of who they're mad at at this point and where mm-hmm. their loyalties are and so I kind of feel like when when one person in your friend group is being indicted do you just declare like I'm done for like that's it I'm at capacity I simply cannot take more fraud in this group and like I can't I can't be responsible for learning more. If it comes out, I'll deal with it then. But like I personally can't deal with it. That's sort of how it feels to me, like a denial of because she's just like my systems are overloaded and I can't I simply can't take more in, especially not for somebody who I considered a friend. Jen, she didn't really consider a friend. She's not surprised, but Mary, she does. And and so if Mary has done something wrong, then Meredith has to like do a little more soul searching.
0: Yeah. And speaking of soul searching, I don't know if it's that these women aren't paying attention or they feel extreme discomfort, but Mary's reactions to people and things are so fucking ugly and like deeply
1: racist <laughs> yeah
0: I mean like I yeah mean, are we gonna have the talk or are we gonna have the talk this is like the second week in, in a, a row. row yeah and we saw the preview for next yep. week when Jenny's like you literally cannot tell someone of Asian descent that their eyes are and, and I'm sorry for using yep. the exact language but I'm going to slanted like that is extremely ignorant and <laughs> racist yeah. and like where we're all having conversations about like setting standard, who's the better friend, who talked less shit than Jen. It's mm-hmm. like, where are the people talking a little shit in the moment to marry?
1: Right. I know At that moment last week when mary made that Mm -hmm. like completely unprompted and bizarre comment about mexican people and the you you watch lisa hear it and like clench a little bit and then let it go Mm -hmm. and it was just like this is how it happens people don't say anything and it was really really bad and it this it also happened last season too like mary's got some stuff going on to unpack i have a lot of sympathy for her there's not a lot of black people in salt lake city like i get that Mm -hmm. but like you know we talked about respectability politics last time i was on we've seen that mm-hmm. shit from mary that's definitely something she's internalized but it's also wild that it's just like the way she talks about other groups is compl- is is fucked it's and like no one's calling her on it
0: why do you why don't you think that they are what's what do you think is going on there because these are not women who seemingly um, stay quiet when they think that something is fucked and yet there seems to be a little bit of a record a consistent record here that's pretty cringe
1: I think that they're a bunch of white women for starters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so they feel uncomfortable correcting a black woman and telling her she, like I I understand why they're hesitant and then I also think that these are not women who are like particularly well versed in racism and like what, you know, the different aspects of it and what it can look like. And so I think that they don't feel confident in their ability to explain it, which I think is, is true for a lot of white people. They they know something is wrong, but they're not sure that they can explain why. And like if and they're and they don't trust themselves to do it. And you know, I think those the two things together, they're they're just not saying anything. And and so it's got it's gonna be Jenny who says it versus anyone else at that table, which sucks.
0: And yet Salt Lake City is like one of those casts that I think gets it. I think that in the moment, if they were listening, they would get it. If Ramona was there, she would be like, oh, my God, LOL. If some aspects of Jersey, uh, you know, with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. they may or may not, they may may or may not click. Right. I think it actually, I think the women, the other women, all of the other women at the table get it, which is what makes it so much more cringe yeah
1: when they do nothing
0: because I do think they understand I I think think Heather gets it I think that Meredith gets it I think think that Lisa definitely gets it and that's where I'm like oh fuck because you're not saying anything because you don't you either which I also understand because of the element of um, race that is at play yeah. here, I do understand the inclination to thinking you're going to compound an issue, make something worse, mm-hmm. um, isolate the only black full time cast member, the only black cast member yeah. on Salt Lake City. But the counter to that is like Jenny's also in her first season. Right, where's her? Where's the like concern about her? Uh, experience on this show because she's being left out on an island right here by herself Mm -hmm. which is incredibly frustrating because I do think these women could throw her some support. I think
1: that's right. I also I think that they're just really scared of Mary and given the way that she reacts sometimes I can see why. The way she treated Whitney who is is her only ally who really, Meredith is now too, but I think Whitney, like, considered Mary a true friend. And it's like, Mary, you don't have a lot of true friends on this show. Like, they don't really seem to like you very much. They think you're weird. They, like, Whitney genuinely cares for you. And the way that you're willing to just turn on her, I can totally understand why you're like, well, I don't want to get into it with this person who's, like, so nasty to their supposed friends. Like, what's she going to do to me?
0: What does true friendship mean on Salt Lake? Like, who is true? I would think Lisa and Meredith were true friends, but now I'm like, oh shit, they might have been, but not maybe not next week. Like, what I is know. that?
1: I know. What does that
0: even look like? Like, what's the standard? What's the foundation? What's the result?
1: I mean, I think I think Heather and Whitney, because they're cousins, have a true oh, yeah, friendship. Yeah, yeah. But that's I don't know. I actually find this is the case on a lot of reality shows like this, where there comes a point where you're just like, none of you are friends, and so it's harder mm. to to sort of explain away this conflict, because like in any normal circumstance, you guys just wouldn't hang out anymore. There isn't a true friendship. And so family connections do help make it make more sense because it's like, I can't really totally cut this person off. But some they're just so different. And you're like, yeah, you probably wouldn't really be friends anymore. But it seems like this season, like, I don't know if I would have said Jen and Lisa were true friends, but like they were like Lisa was really, really loyal to Jen in a way that was bizarre, even at the beginning of this season. And now that's sort of up in the air it's unclear it just doesn't seem like there's any really strong alliances or or friendships like there are on other casts
0: and the lol about heather and whitney and correct me if i'm wrong is like they only recently discovered that they're related it's not like they grew up together having playdates. They were like out at a cocktail party, and they're like, oh my god, are you a direct descendant? Oh, are you two? And <laughs> right. yada yada. Oh my god, we're cousin. Like, it's not like, and yet they do have an obvious bond. They do. And, and have grown closer maybe also through doing the show together. I
1: think that's probably right. I, I mean, I got to say, Whitney is emerging as one of my favorite housewives. Oh, tell me. Tell me what that process has been like. I just think she's so funny. And like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's certain times where you're just like, she says things and it's like, oh, you go to therapy and you've been going to therapy. Like she really has like Mm. a, like she processes things. She has a smart analysis. I I see her like setting boundaries in real time and saying like, you can't talk to me like this. I think that her, her storyline with her dad is so interesting with her, you know, Mm. um, her siblings and the way they talk about that. It's, I don't know, Mm. she brings like sort of real She has real problems and so she brings that real sort of, I don't know, real life experience and wisdom with it. I think Heather also has that sense of like there's an authenticness here or an authenticity here because... These are people who've had to deal with difficult things. And so there's a maturity. Um, But I think Whitney's just funny. I think that like she's she's got a self-awareness. She like looks like she's going to be a blonde bimbo. And, you know, she's got her sort of baby voice and her Utah accent. And then she just says the most insightful thing. And you're just like, God damn. okay, Whitney. I think she's great.
0: And her confessional looks are always off. I know. It's always like, we're at noon and you're at 2.15. Yep. And like, we know you're going to get around to noon at some point. But like, what season will that be on? And yet she's giving us so much quality stuff.
1: I know. She, I just find her delightful. She's so, I'm like, of all the people I would want to hang out with, she's up there because she seems like she's a really good time, but also seems smart.
0: Is there another housewife where you started off thinking that they were going to be a certain way and regardless of whether or not that panned out, just grew to feel such affection for them that was like
1: a little bit of a surprise? Mm, That's a good question. I'm trying to think of who my favorites are. Dorinda is another favorite of mine. And I I don't think she was a surprise. I think I just like my fondness for her just like deepened over the Mm -hmm. years. Um, I'm trying to think of on Potomac. I don't. I don't think there were any big surprises. I think that mm-hmm. I think that Whitney is the biggest surprise. You know, it's funny
0: that you bring up Dorinda, and this is super unfair. But guys, I just rewatched seven through twelve, so bear with me on this. <laughs> there are some moments of Mary's responses to things taking out the deeply uh, um, uh, problematic, terrible, racist uh, comparisons, alliterations, whatever you want to call them, taking that out, the way that she is sometimes just, like, mean Mm. as a reaction to feeling like she's under attack, as a reaction to feeling pain, as, as the ability to maybe unleash rage that doesn't come up in the healthiest places... I can't help but feel a little mm. bit of a connection there to what is happening with Dorinda. Can't help but feel a little bit of something, of what did happen to Dorinda, of her connective thread mm. through New York, which was always there. I mean, do you see something? Or is it just, I could truly just tell me to go fuck myself. You would be <laughs> the 10th today.
1: I, I'm i such a Dorinda fan, so it's hard I for me to it. see that. I get it. Here's the thing, though. Mary appears to be sober all the time when she is this way, whereas I think that Dorinda should not drink. I think that we really tend to see this from her when she's drinking. So with Mary, I'm just like, not like, what's your excuse? Because like, being drunk is not an excuse for being mean. But like, Mm -hmm. sort of, you're like, what is it like to just be like that all the time? Just be sort of Mm -hmm. so ready to lash out in that way? Um, because that's that's scarier to me that it's not something that can be explained or stop if, if you don't drink as much this probably won't happen which is not I get like you still need to process that and like work through it but that is a helpful thing to be able to connect it to whereas with Mary it's just like you just go through life this way that you can kind of snap at any minute and that seems really intense
0: and is it that's such a good point is it uh, when it comes to Mary who is seen as a depending on what you're hearing by members of her church, possibly a descendant of God, uh, the the messenger for God or at best a, um, uh, not like spokesperson for her church, but you know what I yeah, mean, yeah. like the, the represented leadership yes. of her church. What does it mean that that person who is in a spot where you would think, I don't know, best behavior, whatever you want to call right. it, comes on a show like this and on that show responds in the way that she does how do you connect that to the spiritual leadership role that
1: she has i i wonder that but i i think if you see her as a spiritual leader like you're gonna be looking at this differently and you're gonna be sort Mm -hmm. of maybe excusing away things that the Mm -hmm. rest of us would not because it's it's Mm It's not just that, actually, that would give me pause if she were my spiritual leader. It's like everything. like she's just, yeah, she's very strange the the way she was like talking to her son about his girlfriend, like at the beginning of the season was super weird. She's just. I don't know. Like the the story that she was telling about the member of her congregation who had the car accident and she was just sort of glibly telling <sighs> this. It was just, like all it was of tough. it is like I don't know how you respect this person as a spiritual leader and like as a spokesperson for God. Like my read of her is so far from that that I like can't really – I can't imagine that the the meanness would be – the only thing and I guess I'm kind of like well if you've accepted all those other things then I think maybe you would accept this too and not think not question it I I don't know I think there's something happening with like you know true charisma which is when you are like you can sort of sell anything to and and kind of like win people Mm -hmm. over in a way that is sometimes like actually harmful I I think she's got some of that whereas like the people who she has charmed are not gonna see this but the people who aren't charmed by it are just like this is all bad top to bottom
0: totally hear you there and also like I watched a little bit of that do you watch the after shows I forget if you not know. really so there are, the Salt Lake City after shows are eight hours long it's like a <laughs> solid 33 minutes this week I got I had time for like a hot seven or eight um so I haven't watched the whole thing but there are moments in which she's expressing herself to the producer and sharing her perspective that feel I don't know how to it feels like there is such an interesting nuance there where she's understanding what's going on in a way that we don't necessarily give her the benefit mm. of the doubt during the show because she expresses all this other stuff. Yeah. And it's wild to watch her and watch her process what's happening because there are so many elements of it where I'm like, okay, you understand what happened happened here like you understand on the after show you're like yeah I totally said some shit about Jen Mm -hmm. and like I didn't remember and you know what the shit that I said about Jen is probably the worst shit anybody said you know like there's a way that she is digesting and unpacking what happened on the show that feels very clear and yet I wonder on some of this other stuff the way that she characterized jenny mm-hmm. the way that she has reacted to whitney like she gave a diagnosis of heather and said in a way like i wish that heather saw herself the way that everyone else sees her mm-hmm. like she's very contemplative in some yes. in some senses and yet her guttural reactions to things <laughs> are so they're like superficial mm-hmm. in the worst possible way it's like top layer problematic, you know yeah. like I, I It's hard to try to understand her. She's so incredibly fucking complex.
1: I agree that there's often times where she says something. I think it's also quite often when it's like it, it, an instance involving other people that she's not involved in. And like she reads the situation for exactly what it is. And you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that was like, ex- that was exactly it. Like it's a remarkable moment of clarity. But then it, she turns around and she says the wildest things. And you're just like, how are, how did you, what is the, what is the disconnect here that these are coming from the same person? Because there are so many different facets to her and some are really good. And that's where I can see why she would have a a loyal congregation who really likes her because there's times where I'm just like, I can't be mad. She's so silly and charming, but then increasingly I'm not feeling that way. Increasingly I'm just like, this is not, this is not good. This is ugly.
0: And what do you, do you think that in some ways she could understand either through the reaction? I don't know like how much she follows and connects with what is said about the show and her behavior on it online. I really don't know. But do you think that there's a chance that she'll have some sort of, like, breakthrough? Or is this just, like, this is who you are? You know, just as there are really shitty aspects that are super problematic of other housewives, I don't think that this is, like, really going to be the moment for you to... Uh, grow from this I think that this is just the mirror that's being held I
1: think that's true in your closet I saw after the last week's episode she released some kind of apology which was like impossible to read because it had like 16 (laughs) different bouncy fonts (laughs) in it and like that was wild Um, Mm. but I I don't really get the sense that she has a lot of friends and you know not just on the show but just like that's how she seems the way that her cousin was her maid for like And I'm pretty sure she referred to her as her maid, like as, you know, Mm -hmm. my maid and assistant for, uh, you know, 30 years or something like that. But like she doesn't even know when her birthday is or something wild. And it's just like, oh, I don't know if you have anyone close to you who can hold up that mirror and who can say, hey, this is bad, this thing that you said. I'm like, maybe she has like somebody doing her social media who tried to explain this to her and like got her to allow this apology to be released. But I don't think she has anyone like sitting with her and saying like, hey, you've really got to. Like, rethink how you're thinking about this. I don't feel like she has that, like, I don't know, guidance maybe from her husband, but like, I don't know. They don't, she just seems like a very lonely person.
0: I was going to say, it's such a good way to describe it. I don't, again, this could be an, another shitty comparison, but there is some Kim Richards there mm. of like a real lonely, some stuff has happened, some trauma has taken place, incredibly different circumstances. Although, in both cases, the element of, youth being present there Mm -hmm. um kim obviously starting her journey much earlier as a the provider for her family but we don't know what mary experienced before this whole marriage mishigas through her first marriage or or at any other point Mm -hmm. so there is something there that's just and maybe that explains her reactions to people too because maybe she doesn't experience female friendship companionship in the same way that some of the others do?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, gosh, just in, in yesterday's episode, her saying, you know, I I yeah, I have a lot of stuff, but I haven't talked to my mother in 20 years. And so other Ugh. people have family. I have things was like mm. heartbreaking on like multiple levels and just in a really sort of wild way of explaining why you have so much stuff. Like a really – You know, and it's just like it's hard to argue with somebody who's talking about a really devastating thing that happened. But it's also just like, man, that's sad. You like that's really sad if that's why you if you if this is why you really have so many designer things like what a bummer.
0: I mean, it is a gray. She says as she records from her closet, It is like a little bit of like this, like not gray area, but it's like a little bit of a thing of. Uh, speaking of things, the idea that something can bring you joy, it can bring you pleasure totally. in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it can bring you delight. It is the way that you um, feel like you can express yourself. Mm-hmm. It can be an expression of identity and language to have certain things. And then there's also the idea of hoarding. Yes. Of like... I am over collecting because this is the only way that I now feel comfortable expressing myself. So instead of thinking about and really reflecting on the ways that I don't feel comfortable communi- communicating or I haven't been able to, I'm going to like do it through dresses and nothing mm-hmm. else. I think that's maybe the position she finds herself in, which is why the idea of like having a, a someone in there to um, uh, organize her closet. Mm-hmm. Could genuinely be an interesting window into Mary in the expression of how she sees herself and the things that she's willing to let go and the things she absolutely refuses not Mm. to. But the idea of like, I'm going to this is my my I am my stuff. This is who I am. This is also what brings me joy. I mean, literally, I could not love dresses and shoes. I love beautiful objects, sparkly things. I love like the idea of of a reflection of who I am mm-hmm. in certain in certain materials, in certain colors. Totally. Like I, I I understand that, um, but I also think there is something else there. If that is the only expression, if that is the only language that you can communicate. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in because it's never going to speak back.
1: No, it's not. And everything in there, particularly that other closet where it's like nobody's been in here in years, like it just feels like nothing in there is getting used or loved as much as it should be, if if you really do just love this, and like she clearly likes putting outfits together, like she does put together like very mm-hmm. fun and expressive e- and creative eccentric. outfits. So like she yeah. does have that, but it does feel like when she, when she says to the the woman who's in there, take anything you want, and when she's giving stuff away to her friends constantly, it's a it, there's a bit of a like. What are you? It's it's sort of like this break with her mother was specifically tied to her assuming this role in the church, and that led to Mm -hmm. a lot of wealth. And so it feels a bit like, well, if I lost my whole family over this, I better have something to show for it. And like, what I have to show for it is all these designer things. I'm a success. I made the right decision. But like, you you're you don't care. You're telling people to just take whatever they want. And I kind of think she meant that. Like I I don't think she cares Mm -hmm. about these things writ large. I think she loves certain things and has fun with it. But I don't think she would miss a lot of those things if they were gone.
0: I totally agree, and I also think, like, I don't know why this phrase is, like, circulating in my head and it could be completely fucked, but, like, the idea of, like, money as her monologue of, like, Mm -hmm. this is the it's just the language that she speaks the idea that she brought all that shit to fucking veil or wherever the hell they were she wasn't intending to give people she was literally like okay we might have similar size feet also I brought this thing in a box because that's just how I pack my shit but like here's a $6,000 bag here's a $1,200 clutch none of this was intended to be presented as a present and yet it's the only tool that she has and the only way to either change the conversation or add to it. Right. And it, in it, and it, work. the thing is, the shitty thing, is, whatever, <laughs> the successful thing is it works.
1: It, it does. obviously works, but it's at like least in the short so term. But it's so strange when you stop and think about it, like to just give people your cast offs, but as gifts, like not in a way of like, hey, you guys, like I need to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Does anyone want to come and poke through? Or like, mm. you've always really liked this thing. I thought you might want to have it. Just like kind of foisting it on people. Which also, like, there's a way of giving gifts that doesn't feel like a gift at all. And I don't know if that's how the receivers Mm -hmm. felt here because I think they were just like, oh, my God, like, a $5,000 bag. Like, how generous. I don't know that they felt burdened by it. But, like, when somebody is giving you really expensive things, that can come with strings attached. That can be a burden later when you want to say, hey, I don't like the way you're acting. So I also wonder... If they stopped and thought about how she acts and then for her to do this, like, how does it feel to just be given a pair of somebody else's shoes that are, like, really nice and expensive shoes, but, like, they just decided to give them to you one day on a trip at the last minute and then told you it was a gift, which it technically is, but it's not, like, a gift you chose for them specifically either. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, a birthday gift where it's, like, oh, she got her a a really generous gift for her birthday. It's, like, it's a really generous gift that's, like, for no occasion except that, like, Maybe she wants to change the vibe a little bit here. It's odd.
0: I mean, it's a bribe. She yeah. was giving beautiful Chanel, Louis Vuitton, other design. Oh, uh, lubes. She was giving, she was like, hey, I heard you guys were talking shit about me. Oh, you know what? Is it late at night? Uh, here's the six thousand, dollars dollars bag, Heather. Happy day of the week. Like, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a literal bribe, which we saw in Lisa's uh in the understanding and the replay of Lisa's response to it like fucking works bribes
1: work it does but they're they're not reading it that way and I get it because they all got the bribes but it's it's wild that like there's not even a moment of like discomfort or questioning with Mm -hmm. it that like again like I would I I think if somebody I wasn't very close friends with was giving me a five thousand dollar bag I would probably feel a little weird like is it that she wants to, like, implicate them? And, like, it's like, well, you accepted her $5,000 bag. So what can you say about, like, how her church makes money?
0: I mean, I haven't been in that circumstance yet. But, guys, if you want <laughs> to put me in it, I would be willing to take one for the team. That's all that I have to say about that. I,
1: I feel like next time I listen to this, it's going to be, like, a, t- a totally different tone. Mary's great. Can't No complaints about Mary <laughs> as you show off your oh new shoes. <laughs>
0: I got this solid gold chair. Right. It's made twenty. It's worth eight million dollars. I couldn't tell you, but you know who seems great, Mary, Mary Cosby. M Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> who seems like the higher power that AG will um, bow to accordingly. Listen, if there is one prayer coming out of this week's episode of AG, it is that you need to be back like ASAP. I have to tell you, um, I absolutely find our conversations so interesting i cannot get <laughs> over the new york conversation <laughs> that we just had um guys i couldn't more highly recommend getting your book which is truly in a place of honor this is like a little this little area of the cloth which you guys haven't seen yet <laughs> go on social soon um is a little under construction but you can see your book at the top shelf next to by the way uh who am I looking at next to Nora Efron? Wow. OK. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my God, just a little, you know, up and coming (laughs) author. (laughs) Um, Can you tell the the folks, give a little bit of an elevator pitch or rundown of what they can look forward to and expect in reading it and where they can buy it? Available for
1: purchase now. Definitely. It is available, you know, wherever you get books. There's an audiobook version. It is divided into two parts. So the first half is all about taking care of yourself. And then the second half is about taking care of other people. But there's a lot of overlap. Like a lot of the things are sort of the same idea. Idea, like or the same ethos behind them um and let's see what else I don't know I'm really proud of it I, it came out in May of 2020 and I had spent the whole year prior mm-hmm. to it working on it and I I feel proud of it so I would love if people bought it but you know if not that's fine too
0: and where can they follow you online? Where can they read your work, your amazing new gig at Vox? Incredible, incredible pieces already <laughs> there and upcoming. Tell us everything. Thank
1: you. Um, okay. So, the best place to find me is uh, my blog, which is justgoodshit.com. There's links to everything else there. I just, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> um, I- iconic, and iconic <laughs> URL. But I, so every week I publish a like, here's everything I read this week, here's the stuff that I I wrote, so that's kind of my home base. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the underscore rewm, but I I'm realizing I post there less consistently than I do. Like my hmm. sometimes I like don't get around to tweeting my articles and things like that. So like blog is home base, but you can give me a follow on Instagram or Twitter as well if you want to.
0: Love that. And speaking of follows, follow my ass on Instagram <laughs> at Dame Galley. I'm doing a giveaway with Milk and Don't Call Me Honey, one of my absolute favorite Etsy shops and content creators online. it away... Five of his pieces Ooh. and P.S. did a Patreon episode breaking down the future of Real Housewives of New York so nice. join enter that giveaway on Instagram ends this Wednesday um, listen to that episode on Patreon also a new Patreon episode <laughs> that talks about uh, an understanding of the, the complicated idea behind discussing the sex in the city reboot mm as well as a live reaction watch (laughs) to the just released New Jersey trailer, as well as some of your satchels of gold about Salt Lake City, Orange County, and actually, uh, and just like that, the Sex and the City (laughs) reboot. The Andes Girls Patreon, the number one way to support the pod. Patreon.com/slash AndesGirls. Two dollars a month gets you my love and sass. Five dollars a month gets you two bonus episodes. Ten dollars a month gets you four bonus episodes and invites to special sassy Zoom key keys. And you can also join the premium tier, the people's people's Patreon couch and record your very own patreon episode with yours truly that'd be me and that's patreon.com slash andy's girls and guys just a friendly reminder the language of andy's girls at satchels of gold are your thoughts and feelings reactions questions and concerns to all things housewives and more slide into my dms on instagram let me know your first name in your town or if you have a super long form mega essay which i fucking love to get genuinely andy's girls show at gmail.com And um, listen, holidays coming up, Christmas around the corner. Thinking of everybody, sending everybody love. If you are with your family, chosen or otherwise, having a solo celebration this year in whatever way that word can be formed, I hope you are all finding those moments of um, happiness, togetherness and um, in the words of Rachel Miller, showing up and being there for yourself, let alone your people. Whatever makes you feel good that is safe, as safe as it can possibly be and healthy, I wish that for everyone listening get vaccinated please if you can the The booster is um santa's favorite present um if you have capacity to do so and again hope everyone is staying safe and sane getting vaccinated and we will talk to you soon merry jewish in the (laughs) words of my people we'll chat with you soon bye guys